0: you're listening to the van moody podcast our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives in today's episode we'll continue our get closer series with part five which will be presented by pastor zavai miktora zavai will delve into hebrews and isaiah to analyze our faith and the importance of scripture in our lives let's get started happy sunday twc family listen i pray that your summer has been incredible And I am so looking forward to us getting back into the building and I'm gonna be sharing more exciting information about that very soon. But I'm super excited about our summer emphasis, our summer focus of getting closer. This has been an incredible summer initiative. So many of you have signed up your family and you are uh, reading your soap devotion. You've got your secret place journal and your devotional and you're doing your soap devotion every day and talking about it with your family. And you know what's happening? We're getting closer. Guys, the Word of God is true. If we draw near to God, one translation says draw nigh unto the Lord, then God promises to draw near to us. And so as we have been in this summer initiative getting closer, we have also been teaching every single Sunday from our soap devotion, and my goodness, it has been a tremendous time. Uh, our pastors and the teaching team have done an incredible job, and I'm super excited on today because we're going to continue this summer focus and this teaching emphasis. I'm so excited because Pastor Zavai Mitkora, we call him Pastor Z, who's our strategy and execution pastor, great man of God, is going to share his soap with you this morning. So listen, I pray you've already done your soap. But if not, still tune in because God has got a word through Pastor Z. But listen, he's going to share his soap, but don't allow his soap to be your soap. Listen, be blessed, but then don't forget to do your soap because all of us as a community are getting closer. So listen, would you receive Pastor Z now as we continue this amazing summer teaching and emphasis called Get Closer?
1: Greetings, family, greetings, TWC, and those who are joining us online. And uh, as we get closer to God in this series, we would like to welcome everybody. And if you can, get all your family together and friends so they can join us for this Sunday's message. Well, first and foremost, we would like to give honor to our bishop, the first lady, and all the work they do. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, being up here is one of the most difficult and challenging jobs that any human being can do, because what you say, people believe. So as we have a bishop and a first lady who is constantly leading us and guiding us, we need to honor them for all they do, hearing from God, inspiring us, and making sure that we continue expanding the kingdom of God. Uh, We are continuing with this mandate of getting closer to God. And uh, in fact, I would like to suggest this. This should not just be this year's mandate. This should be the mandate for the rest of our lives. Because without scripture, we don't live. Without scripture, we don't succeed. Without scripture, we are bombarded with so many things. So we find our hope, we find our strength in scripture. So brothers and sisters, I would like to encourage you that everybody continue getting closer to God, continue getting into your scripture because there is so much to discover in there. Listen to me, Jesus is coming. We are in the fourth quarter and everybody who has played sports knows this. When you are playing in the biggest game of your life, you don't introduce new plays. You go with plays that works. You go with plays that have worked. And for our fourth quarter in this game of life, scripture is the play. You go with scripture because you need it and everybody knows it works. What it says is what it says. And faith, actually our faith comes by hearing the word of God. So scripture is very necessary. So today, We are getting closer and we are going to be looking at the book of Hebrews because God is going to inspire us in this book. First and foremost, there is a huge debate about who wrote this book and I would like to believe that it's not significant, it's not that important because if God wanted us to know who wrote the book of Hebrews, he could have just told us. But the fact that he didn't tell us is because he didn't want it to be about the writer, but he wanted it to be more about this scripture, about what the book was pushing us to do and to be. So before we start, let us pray. Lord, we come before you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy towards us. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done and all that you're still going to do. We thank you, Lord, for your grace on our lives. We thank you, Lord, for guiding us through these challenging and difficult times. We thank you for your hand that has been constant in our lives, guiding, protecting, shepherding us, making sure that in us you are always working in us what's pleasing to you. So we give glory to you for your grace, your mercy, and the breath of life. Now, as we look into scripture, we pray, Lord, may your Holy Spirit guide us and lead us. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. The Bible as we know it is an infallible record of God's self-disclosure to mankind. It is alive in us through faith. What it says is what it says through the Word. We get understanding, reproof, correction, encouragement, healing, inspiration, sanity, comfort, hope, love, increase in faith. Actually, the writer of Hebrews says it this way. The word of God is living, active, sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing, even dividing asunder of souls and spirit, and can penetrate joints and marrow and discerning of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. Jesus said it this way, greater works will you do than I did. So in other words, for you to know what greater works you have to do in your life, first and foremost, you have to know what he did. And the only way you get to know what he did is you reading the scriptures. Amen? That's why we are doing SOAP. That's why you should do SOAP. For the rest of your life. Now, let's go and start here. Hebrews chapter number 8, verse 10 to 11. But before we do, we get to 10 and 11, let's start with verse number 1. Now, the main point of what we are saying is this We have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the Father, of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that Lord. Not man set up. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifice. So this one too, that's Jesus, had to have something to offer. Let's jump to verse number 10. Verse number 10 says this way This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. And write them on their hearts, I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first absolute, the first one absolute, and what is absolute, An aging will soon disappear. Oh, what a scripture. Brothers and sisters, The writer of this book is trying to invoke a church that was dealing with so many issues and challenges. But before we get to that, we are also supposed to be looking through Isaiah chapter number eight, number nine, and number 10. So let's breeze through Isaiah eight, nine, and 10. The prophets, the minor prophets and the major prophets, they were put on earth by God to make sure that they were always the constant opposition to bad leadership. During that time, Leadership in Israel had so many characters that were so flawed. They were worshipping devils. They were worshipping other gods. And God raised up prophets, minor and major, to make sure that they were always the antidote to what was wrong with the nation of Israel. So in chapter number 8 of the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah finds himself fighting with people. Because once again, in our sinful nature as humanity, we were all they were always choosing doing what pleased the flesh rather than doing what pleased God. And that sounds like us. He then tells them that he and his children, this is Isaiah speaking to them. He says, he, Me and my children are signs that God has sent to Israel to warn them to get their act together. Isaiah ends the chapter by warning people against consulting foreign gods. To try to receive aid and destruction, they will end up cursing their leaders and the gods, and the gods, and they were worshiping, and we, and they will be destroyed for that. In chapter number nine, Isaiah then describes how, even though God punished the nation of Israel, still in their arrogance, they refused to learn the lesson. They still tried to rebuild with the same stones that had fallen and replant the trees that had been deforested. That sounds like us. And then since the people failed to tend to God, he cut off Israel's head and tail. And that was specifically the elders and the false prophets. Isaiah then says that this is why everyone was punished by God. Even the widows and the orphans. Then in chapter number 10, Isaiah comes up against a corrupt people who were passing unjust laws, oppressing others. He suggests that they won't be able to escape when everyone is getting killed because of what they were doing. And he pretty much told them That God's anger was still very much alive. Doesn't that sound like us? That in these current situations and times we are living, we are dealing with complicated issues. We are dealing with bad leadership all across the board. We are dealing with belligerent society that choose to follow other gods. And by the way, we hear it as often as we can now, that this is the most unchurched generation where people are leaving the church, letting go of Jesus, following their own thoughts and and deeds and what's pleasing to them. And that sounds like this is what they were dealing with. And isn't it amazing that years, thousands of years later, we're still dealing with the same issues. That's what our flesh is. But God then raised up prophets to make sure that they were always the antidote to issues like this. The Bible, in fact, tells us that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. Brothers and sisters, we are the standard. We are the antidote. So you have to start believing it. You have to start walking in it. Because God has put it on us to be the salt of the earth. So we have a role to play. We have to expand God's kingdom. You and I, we have a responsibility to occupy some territory before Jesus comes back. Now, let's give an overview of the book of Hebrews before we get to the scriptures that we are observing. The book of Hebrews is anchored through the teachings of the apostles. And like we said, the author is a non, because God doesn't want him to be known. If he wanted him to be known, he could have just taught us. The theme of the book, the theme of the book of Hebrews is that Christ is better. He is greater, and he will remain greater. There is no one greater than him. The book meticulously highlights and quotes from the first five books of the Bible the author has one thing in mind by so doing. He is comparing and contrasting the past bilateral covenants that that were supposed to abide between God and humanity. The interesting thing, though, is that he inserts in there some incredible realities that were the foundational pieces of that bilateral covenant and the conditions that both parties were supposed to abide by. In fact, God was supposed to do his part and humanity was supposed to do their part. But we all know what happened. God did his part. Humanity didn't do its part. And by, because of that, the whole covenant beca- could not stand. So thus God had to do his part. And as usual, humanity didn't do its part. The book also highlights the challenges the Hebrew community was facing. This community of believers was under duress and facing tremendous persecution and imprisonment because of their beliefs in Jesus. Doesn't that sound like us? You know, sometimes we make this assumption that persecution is just physical persecution, but not understanding that persecution goes beyond just physical. It's emotional, it's mental, it's psychological. And we find ourselves as believers dealing with psychological persecution where we are pushed and and they try to break us because of our beliefs. If you say one thing that is true, you are attacked. That's persecution. It's psychological, it's mental, it's emotional, it's physical. And that's what this church was dealing with. But then God sends this writer to write this incredible, powerful story, powerful letter to encourage this group of believers that were dealing with tremendous challenges in their times. So the author has three main goals. Number one, he wants to elevate the superiority of Jesus above all. Number two, to challenge the readers to remain faithful to Jesus despite the persecution they were facing. Then number three, he also gives a warning to Christians not to abandon Jesus because if you do, the consequences this time are much greater than not going into the promised land. This time you get to face eternity separated from God. So he's writing this letter to highlight these three fundamental points because he wants them to understand that you gotta hold on. You know what the problem with humanity is? Is that we faint too much. We faint too much. And because we faint too much, we don't get the rewards. We don't get the rewards that are for That's why the Bible tells us that if you persevere, you get your reward. So brothers and sisters, don't faint. Do not faint. No matter what happens, don't faint. Keep pushing through. Amen? The opening scripture in Hebrews chapter number one is extremely important for us to understand what we're about to observe. I'll read Hebrews chapter number one. This is what it says. In the past, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors in many ways. But in the last days, which is now, he has spoken to us through his son. In other words, Jesus is superior to all the ways God has revealed himself to us. In other words, the gospel, the good news, the message of the cross is by far superior any methods God has used in the past to communicate to humanity. So which means that we have to constantly pursue Jesus because his words are way far greater than how God has communicated to humanity in the past. Then the author goes on from there to compare and to contrast Jesus in four different ways to highlight the greatness of Christ and the new covenant that he brought. So let's break it down. First, he compares Jesus with angels and the Torah. In the book of Deuteronomy, tells us that angels delivered the first five books of of the Bible to Moses up Mount Sinai. Jesus, on the other hand, he delivered the good news. And then the author says, if Israel was called to pay attention to the Torah, how much more should we pay attention to the message of Jesus if his way was greater than how Moses received the first five books of the Bible? Number two, the author also compares Jesus with Moses. Moses built the tabernacle according to specifications that he was given by God. And along with that, he was also given a set of bilateral laws to govern the people. To make sure that they were successful on the journey they were on. So they can receive the rest that was promised in the promised land. But the author then says Jesus' methods were greater. Because what he was promising us, is not resting the promised land, but he's promising us eternity with the Father. Then, the author also compares and contrasts Jesus with the priest. In the past, the priest had to constantly offer sacrifice for the atonement of their sins. But there was a problem they themselves were flawed human beings that we had to constantly offer sacrifice for their own sinful nature before they get to people. But Jesus is better because Jesus comes as the ultimate sacrifice and the scripture tells us that he was tested on all points and he was found to be with no sin and he offered himself as a sacrifice for the atonement of humanity, even though he himself was not sinful in any way. Then number four, the author compares and contrasts the sacrifice that Jesus is. How he was put to death for our sins. And he say Jesus' ways are better than all these previous ways that God had tried to broker a relationship between himself and humanity. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter number eight, verse number 10. This is what we're observing today. So I've just given you a background. Let's now look at what we're observing today. This is very important. Because outside of this, there is nothing. This is why the book of Hebrews states that if you keep go, if you keep sinning, even though you have received the message of the cross, what else is there for you? Because if Jesus is the ultimate, what else is there for you? If he is not enough, So let's look at the statutes of this new covenant so we understand what Jesus came to do and what and how that has to do with our lives. Hebrews chapter 8 verse number 10. This is the covenant, a will established with the people of Israel meaning us, the church, after that time declares the Lord. This is a declaration. Number one, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write the laws on their hearts. And when I do that, I will be their God and they will be my people. And when that has happened, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. And here are the rewards when that happens, for I will forgive their wickedness that. Once this happens, God will forgive your wickedness. And we will remember. I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant, this new covenant, he has made the first one absolute. So let's look at it. Number one, this is what the new covenant does. God is going to write his laws on our minds. Number two, God is gonna inscribe the laws on our hearts. Then, after he has done that, he will be our God and we will be his. Which means, number four, knowing the Lord, knowing the Lord will be an individual's responsibility. I cannot do it for you. The bishop cannot do it for you. You have to know God for yourself because the new covenant says it. It's now your responsibility to know God for yourself from the least to the greatest. In other words, no one is excluded. So brothers and sisters, the new covenant requires you, you, you as a human being to know God for yourself. If, G, if Moses did it, if, if, uh, if Paul did it, you have to do it. If Peter did it, you have to do it. That's the journey we are on, to know God for ourselves individually. Here are the rewards. Here are the rewards. If all those five things happen, here are the rewards. He says, I'll forgive your wickedness. Human beings, we all know, we are very wicked. The flesh is wicked. How much would you want God to forgive your wickedness? and actually to forget it and to never remember it. That's what the new covenant does. Now, let's look at how we are going to apply this into our lives. First things first. You must know the law, right? So you can understand what God has, or what God is going to put in your mind, and to write in your heart, right? So, Matthew chapter number 22, 22, chapter 22, verse 36 says this. They ask, here's the disciple asking Jesus, teacher, which commandments, which law is the greatest in the law? Which commandment is the greatest in the law? This is what God is going to write in your head, right? And inscribe on your heart. Jesus declared. Here's another declaration. Love the, God, love the Lord God with all your heart, and with all your soul, that's the very part that comes from him, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So what does the law look like? What does that look like to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul? God defines love. Actually, the Hebrew word is ahab. It means to have affection for, desire to delight or to be fond of. It implies an ardent inclination of the mind and a tenderness of affection and strong emotional attachment for and a desire to be in the presence of the object of love. In other words, if you love something so bad, you would do whatever it takes to make sure you are always in close proximity with it. That you are always communing with it. If you love something so deeply, The Greek word is agapao, to have a preference for or to wish well, to regard the welfare of. It is to take pleasure in him, to prize it above everything else. A willingness to abandon yourself to him. When the Bible places loving God in the context of a command, it becomes the force, the strength for not only how we feel about God, but it inspires thoughts about him. Mind, it stimulates our desires for him. Loving God motivates every decision. It empowers every single thought that we make. The young ruler comes to Jesus, says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus said to him, go sell everything that you got and come follow me. Jesus was not telling him to give up, to get rid of the things that he had worked for. He was saying all those things that you have worked for, they are holding you back from experiencing what true love with Christ or true love to God is. So in other words, the things that we push for and desire to have in our lives, those things can actually be the thing that blocks us from loving God the way we should love God. Brothers and sisters, like I said, God is coming. We don't know when, but we have a responsibility to occupy some territory. We have a responsibility to be the sword in the earth. There are people who are in need of this gospel. But before we give it to them, it has to work for us. We have to get healed with it. We have to be mentally stable because of the gospel. We have to find strength because of the gospel. We should not be moved by all this crazy stuff that's happening around us. We should keep our eyes and focus towards Jesus. Because in that, in, the, in so doing, we're gonna get close to God and this covenant, this covenant, we become real, alive, strong in us. And then we can expand the kingdom of God. Acts chapter number three says, before Jesus returns, he says, heaven must hold Jesus until all things are restored. And who is going to do the restoration? We are responsible. So brothers and sisters, you have to keep getting closer to God. This is not a one year off thing. This is not a one week thing. This is not a one month. This is not a pandemic thing. This is a life cause. Without scripture, we will never know what God can do. Without scripture, we will never know what greater works looks like. Without scripture, we will remain sick. Without scripture, you will never know the thoughts that God has for you. Without scripture, you don't have faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Without scripture, you never understand your gifts and talents. Without scripture, you never know the thoughts that God has for you. Without scripture, you never know what the enemy comes looking like. So brothers and sisters, if you haven't given your heart to the Lord, And if you know somebody who needs to give their heart to the Lord, it's your responsibility to make sure you reach them, you touch them, because God is coming. We are a body that is missing key pieces because there are people that needs to be saved so they can come into this kingdom and fulfill the full picture of the body of Christ. There's a poem that was written years ago. It's a poem about a man who used to think that church was not for him. He says, how I came to love these pilgrims is to me a great surprise. And in the way the Lord has led me, it's a wonder in my eyes. No, I never thought I'd be one, but I'm happy to now say that even though I used to hate them, I am one of them now. Well, I knew the world despise of them. So I said it will never do. I'd lose my reputation if I joined that noisy crew. But I heard the Sinai thunder you must surely go this way and I'm not ashamed to own it but I am one of them today often I snared when they were telling me that they felt no fall within that the grace of their Redeemer daily kept them from free from sin but conviction seized my spirit took my hatred all away I found the grace of salvation and I am one of them today. It is so shocked me that I could not all in my indignation hide when they say that God's old Bible never would endorse my pride. Though high headed, proud and haughty, yet I heard the spirit say, will you be a humble pilgrim? And I am one of them today. Once I thought that their demonstrations were entirely out of place that I never would consent to bring upon me such disgrace. So I asked the Lord to bless me in a mild and a careful way. But I broke through, and glory, hallelujah, I am one of them today. Be one of them today. Be one of them today. God is coming. But before he comes, we have a responsibility to occupy some territory. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We acknowledge your goodness and your mercy. Now work in us what's pleasing to you, for we desire to see ourselves as the salt and the antidote to the chaos that reigns in this world. Raise us up, Lord, to be supreme above it all, because your spirit is all we need to be victorious. I give you glory and honor for your goodness and your mercy in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed, TWC and family. We love you. Look forward to seeing you soon.
2: Family, I just thank God for that word. I pray that it touched your heart just like it touched mine. I know it did because I still feel God's spirit moving. And God's spirit is not restricted by being in a church house. God's spirit moves over the Internet just like he does in person. So right now, somebody is making a decision. Somebody has been touched by the spirit of God that may not have even known Christ before this moment. And so my prayer is right now that whatever decision you make, whether it's to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether it's to join this TWC family because you've experienced something that you haven't seen anywhere else. Let us know what decision you have made. You can text the number at the bottom of the screen. You can log on to our website, TWCCC.org and uh, click the next steps tab. Whatever decision you made, we want to know about it. We want to walk alongside you. We want to help you pray through what God is doing in your life. As a matter of fact, family, I want to pray for you right in this moment. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for what our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, and what we have felt in our spirit, God. So, Lord, I'm praying for those that are making decisions right now, God. Whatever those decisions are, I pray that they will be led by your spirit that you will go with them, that you come behind them, that you stand with them and you go before them, God. God, I also pray for all of the TWC members that have logged on today, God. You know our each and individual prayer requests, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, God, that your breakthrough, your blessings, your power, and your presence is already here and moving in our lives, God. We glorify you, we praise you, and we thank you for the privilege to worship you and to learn from your word. So God, as we go out, we ask that we will go by your spirit, go where you're sending us, Lord God, and that when we leave, that your presence, Lord, will be felt in every conversation, every text message, every email. We thank you, Lord, that we are your children. It's in Jesus' precious and matchless name that we pray. Amen. Guess what, family? We want to see you right back here next week. Not only that, you know what you can do? You can go and hit rewind and actually listen to this same word again. But before you do that, click share, log on to our Facebook page, like us on Twitter, all the social media. Let somebody know about what you saw today and what you heard, and we'll forever be grateful. We love you, family. Thank you for joining us. Have a great rest of your week. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Bishop Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody
0: Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.